session. Fade that down a little bit. The point of this session, say, is to pick six tracks. Invariably, I'm picking them. It's kind of dealer's choice. Uh, but we'll uh, hopefully have guests for them on and picking their own. So it's six tracks from the 1970s, uh, 1960s, 1970s, 80s, 90s, noughties, and what's, what's this? Is this the 10s? Uh, that sounds good to me. The 10s, yeah. the, <laughs> the 2010s. Uh, so it's six tracks that we'll listen to in kind of full, and then we'll maybe wax lyrical for a minute or two about them. There's no connection between, there's nothing no, 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 nothing smart uh, backside about this. Really? No, there's no kind of... Um, Lazy. Yeah, no, there's none of, there's none of that. I, you know, I, I did originally think about that. I actually created loads of folders with themes like drums and bass line and kind of protest and stuff like that. And then you start thinking, right, I've got to find six... It just gets a load of work. It saps the life out of you. And, and you, you just think, well, actually, no, let's have six tracks. So Mark uh, doesn't know what uh, tracks are coming up. No. He may know some of the tracks. I think he'll know kind of pretty much, you know, half or more uh, of the tracks. So we'll start with, further, with no further ado. Uh, and this is our first track from 1969, Trojan Records, uh, by uh, a chap called Harry Zephyria Johnson, a.k.a. Easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, A.K.A. Harry J. And this is Harry J in the All Stars. And um, a cover version of something by uh, the artist that will follow. So let's, let's get straight in. <laughs> As the other one is there. There's, it's, it's <laughs> kind of a that's a kind of a Butlins <laughs> kind of clean version, isn't it? For you know something for the mums and dads, but when the kids are 
kids are on on show as well. Would you say? I'm kind of relieved actually. I was a bit worried when you put that on it. I thought this is like this is a song that he's uh, that he's playing for my benefit, listeners. And I thought I'm not sure this is appropriate. But then it, uh, uh, DJ Tart's lady wife is is also. Uh, but a few feet away <laughs> from us, so let's assume that was dedicated to her. Well, she could have just been a voyeur. Could have brought you around for one of anyway, those kind of Anyway, moving on weird, <laughs> One of those weird little kind of ensembles. Getting increasingly uncomfortable <laughs> with this conversation. <laughs> well, you thought I, I brought you here for a podcast. It was actually uh, something else. Anyway. <laughs> so that was Harry J. All Stars. So, I mean, obviously I know the original. I know it's one of your cheeky little favourites that comes out sometimes when we do yeah. radio shows together. Do you like um, it? And they've got quite a few cover versions on here. Looking at the album, they've got My Sharia Moore, Don't Let Me Down. Well, um, I got, I, I did a little bit of digging around, a bit of research as part of this kind of podcast. There was a bit of a, a research element to it, and they were basically a, a studio band. Hmm. It was this kind of little kind of studio band, you know, very much like uh, Incredible Bongo Band and uh, things like that. Genesis. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, he, he, what I like about him is he, he's a uh, Jamaican reggae producer, but he was of African, Sicilian and Scottish descent. <laughs> right, okay. Did you detect I, any of that? I can't say I picked up on the Scottish aspect, except I thought the tuning was a bit off. I don't know if it's just the way the vinyl's cut, you know, sometimes you get a bit of wobble. Yeah, yeah possibly. Um, and uh, it was a bit like bagpipes, you know, when they're kind of yes. wheezing a little bit. There's an element what? of that with the organ going out of tune with the well, rhythm guitar. I was going to say, he's, 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 Scott, he's of Scottish origin, right? Okay. so maybe there's a little influence in there. Uh, incidentally, that album there, I've owned for, I think, about 16 years, which is the exact amount of time that um, we've lived in this house, or roughly. All right. I found it in the attic of our house. Oh, that's a nice find. Yeah, along with a Rolling Stones 12-inch. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a it was a lovely find. Uh, he he was he was also well known for his um, for his studio where apparently um, uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers recorded some of their albums in the 70s, and also uh, the Who and the Rolling Stones, Grace Jones, etc. This is like Wikipedia, what, the audio book. It is. Well, where else would you go and search for it? If you got Wikipedia, you just go search for Wikipedia. But I'm doing all the trawling for you, you That's know. True. I'm, I'm, I'm God bless you. I'm doing. I'm, that's high praise coming from you as well. So <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing all the trolling. But here's here's something. This is from Wikipedia, which I have to check. It says "Liquidator," which is the famous track on this album, the one that you would know uh, played, is chosen as a tribute to the winners of the UEFA Champions League. It is a popular tune to play as football teams run out: Chelsea, Wickham Wanderers, uh, Northampton Town, Wolverhampton Wanderers. West Bromwich Albion, Yeovil Town, and St Johnston all have claims to have been the first club to use it. I, I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> so what's nodded off there? No, sorry. <laughs> it, it, was, it was like Saturday afternoon when I was waiting for Doctor Who to come on, and they'd just be trolling through the, the match day results. Wigan <laughs> Wanderers one, St Johnston four, Oldham Athletic. No, no, they wouldn't be. St. Johnston wouldn't be playing Oldham Athletics, and Johnston's a Scottish team. You're really showing yourself out to be a, <laughs> to be a complete. Noob. Hey, you didn't get me here to talk football, did you? Yeah, I did. That's that's, that's aside. So it's gonna be a long evening. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, did, did you like that though? I I did. I thought it had a nice summer vibe. I thought it was a good a good record to stick on. You know, when with this this mythical event that we often talk about putting on, where we take over some bar and hold them hostage, make them listen yeah. to our records for an afternoon. That's the kind of thing I could imagine going down quite well, especially on a sunny afternoon. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, musically, it was it was fairly basic. Yeah. It felt a bit like a bunch of talented musicians having a first run through something they didn't know very well. <laughs> but that's okay. They were they were talented enough musicians to get away with it. It's just it didn't have quite have the polish of you know the original, uh, which obviously Serge was a bit of a expert band leader. Uh, very absolutely. I I just think though that if you've got a band leader who is part Sicilian and part Scottish, you don't want to annoy them. <laughs> that's true. It well, <laughs> well, don't tell me. I've seen what happens to people. The cover of the album it's kind of black exploitation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Someone's yeah, being shot dead with a machine Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And he's got the it's the Bonnie and Clyde. It's a kind of a black Bonnie and Clyde on the back, which again may have been a bit of an inspiration from um, Serge Gainsbourg again. Oh, okay. Because of there, you know, the Bonnie. And Clyde. I know Bonnie and Clyde isn't Serge Gainsbourg, but um, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, but it, it maybe like Lady in Red. <laughs> <laughs> Lady in Red. Um, should we move on to our next? The next selection from the 19th. So that's from 1969. Um, Trojan on the legendary Trojan record. So we're just going to flash forward two years. 
to quite an iconic album, an album that is very much regarded as, um, what's the word, opus magnum, magnum opus, what is it? Um, when you see prime, you, you yeah, mean. magnum opus. Magnum opus, yeah, yeah, fancy a magnum now. <laughs> um, so this is pretty much regarded as this gentleman's, um, and I said I wasn't doing any trying to clever trickery around um, picking tracks that kind of very much connect with each other, but this one does have a very strong connection with the previous track. It's uh, Serge Gainsbourg, when it eventually comes on as we queue across in five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> with um, uh, Harry uh, and his, his various all-stars. And we're, we're now with uh, the sounds of Serge Gainsbourg. Serge Gainsbourg. Serge Gainsbourg. Gainsbourg. <laughs> you are not Gobert John. I am not. We're not going to go down that quote, but uh, the Whitney Houston interviews is inter- interesting to say the least, I'd say. Um, okay. Bit of, bit, of a, bit of a lad, isn't he, our... Um, our Surge. Our Surge. Hmm. Uh, you, so you've got this. You've got this album. I have. Well, I've not got the original album. I've got it on a compilation, the Laurent Garnier one. Um, it's on the. In fact, I think you've. I can oh, you got it, right it on the Lifestyles. Yeah. The Lifestyles. Yes. yes. In fact, I think it was actually one of the first records I played when I came round here. Um, the first time I, I came round last summer. Oh, sorry, bit of a. Oh. Bit of a. Sorry, bit <laughs> of a. <laughs> um, yeah, last summer we had a bit of a. Uh, sort of uh, Wednesday night session of playing some tunes and I think I played it then and you were very impressed that I played some Search Council but I, yeah, was. Yeah, I was being a bit pretentious really because I don't know that much about him I only know the obvious the obvious records but I also know that he's very much admired and I thought a music snob like yourself would probably appreciate a bit of Surge so. 
I'm not that bad a snob. <laughs> bit, bit snobby, but... Um, no, the connoisseur. Let's connoisseur. Let's say it last night. I mean, there's many phases of Serge Gainsbourg, and he's, he's, he's done that much stuff. Hmm. It's unreal. You know, there's the whole kind of the jazz stuff. But whatever he turned his hand at, reggae, jazz, um, that kind of French rock, pop, even with kind of crowd influences, it's just exemplary execution. Very angular sort of melodies on that last one. You can't quite tell where it's going. It's like when you listen to Zappa yeah. or something, you think, yeah. I just don't know where this is going. It's like, it's really dissonant, but but it's still kind of funky and got yeah. a groove about it. Have you seen the Serge Gainsbourg film? No. It's a fantastic film. I went to see it with a very dear friend of mine um, a few years ago at a um, all kind of arts community place. And they haven't checked. It was, it, was, it was me, him. And this woman, who I don't think she was entirely sure who Serge Gainsbourg were. And it's about his life. It's about the kind of the various stages of the childhood in Paris, kind of Second World War, the, you know, kind of the, the, the Nazi influence. Because I think he was Jewish, wasn't he? Did I don't think? know. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to, don't, don't call me on that. But I, I, um, and, um, and then as he kind of becomes a teenager and starts to find jazz music and blues and he explores that. And then we see the, the Serge Gainsbourg that we... Uh, very much know the kind of the Bridget Bardot and Jane Birkin and basically the 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 the, 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 the kind of the, the character the enigma that he was and um, that's a bit of a dirty 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 chap. I was going to say kind of a French Hugh Hefner. Yes. <laughs> that's how who, I imagine him. I we lost? I don't know if that's fair, but that's yeah, yeah. definitely my my portrayal of him. You know? we, we we lost Hugh as well, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, we did. And I was thinking about Hugh Hefner the other day because. Um, uh, of where we work, uh, whenever I type it in, sometimes I forget to type the S. I don't get the S in quick enough, so you type in Hef. Right. That gives a clue as to where we work. Okay. But uh, but it, when you type it in, and Hugh Hefner would regularly come up when I was searching for my place of work. Okay, that sounds like a bit of an excuse made up for the IT department. No, 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 no. Some of your search results. No, no, no. I never, never looked. It was his Wikipedia page. I never looked. I never, I never looked. inhaled. <laughs> <laughs> um... But no, that album, the, hist- the, the history, the, uh, the Nelson, kind of all that sort of stuff that he did on Melody, which we've just heard. Um, so it was taken from History de Melody Nelson. And apparently, uh, is, it, is it a little kind of fact, the album runs just short of 28 minutes. Really? It's a very short album. The track's That's the French for you, isn't it? Yeah, well, that track on, on Melody... Casual sounds- xenophobia there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of... Uh, and here's another little fact, because mm. I'm getting the facts here. Uh, they made a video for every track. Really? In what year was this? 1971. Good grief. So that's astonishing. Before isn't Bohemian Rhapsody, I thought that was supposed Absolutely. to be the first video. Well, it's one of these things where you start thinking, oh, I thought like Blondie's Atomic was the first 12-inch, which obviously it wasn't for many years, there were 12 inches before. But I remember that was the first, basically, that was year zero for me buying a 12-inch, 1980 mm. Blondie Atomic. Um, but it's this sort of thing where before MTV, we never really thought of videos. It was like, oh, uh, Hang on, what kind of video are we talking about, given that we've described him as the Hugh Hefner of France? They're kind of videos of him performing the tracks, but have you seen the Bonnie and Clyde track video? No, I haven't. So they're dressed as Bonnie and Clyde, Bridget Bardot sits in a prison cell with a little beret and she's got a machine gun across her lap and, and, and um, Serge is walking around with a fag on, which he kind <laughs> of pretty much had stapled, yeah. kind of cosmetically uh, attached to his face. Um, but uh, so... It's one of these that you look. I mean, well, look at things like Pink Floyd and go back to nineteen sixties and mm. the Beatles and Strawberry Fields. And, That's true, and of course. Yeah. They were they they were videos. They were mm. they were pop videos. You know, C, um, Arnold Lane and CM Lee Play and stuff like that. And you you kind of imagine that the pop video is a a thing of the mid nineteen eighties when MTV appeared and Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, but. It has a history several decades before. Mm. Okay. So, as, so thank you. I feel uh, educated. No, no, you you can educate me about yours. <laughs> equi- you're you're classically uh, educated, well, shall we say? So. Yeah, you are. We, <laughs> we, we'll have a classical version. We'll have not instead of six decades. We'll have six, six centuries. centuries. <laughs> That'd be good. So yeah. Uh, here's something from the uh, 14th century. It's a bit baroque. Might be a bit baroque for some of you out there. Um, so this next one, gonna go ten years forward to 1981. Um, you may know this, possibly know this. Uh, I, I came across it when it came out, and I've loved it ever since. I've I've been a big fan of, of this track and a couple of other things made by this artist. Um, so this is uh, Gina X. This used to get dropped at the local disco. It was a bit too kind of deep for us, but uh, such is the way. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Apologise. Um, I think that that track is only coming on um, on one channel for some reason. Um, so that was Gina X and no GDM. As we have a very loud plane uh, passing us over. In fact, when I was uh, when I was just travelling earlier, there was a very large Chinook came flying over me. I, I was wondering why the horses and the cows were running in the fields ahead. It was this massive Chinook, so um, uh, <laughs> World War Three has begun. You heard it live here. Um, so, th- yeah, that was Gene X, uh, who were, a, uh, again, let's get some facts off of Discogs and Wikipedia, but they were a German dance rock band 
And that's the phone ringing as well, which is kind of really unhelpful. There's the phone ringing. Can someone get the phone? That's, um, you know, when we do the live purple radio shows, there's always a little bit of chaos or anything. It'll be the mother-in-law. Uh, and they were German. Maybe it's Gina X ringing up. I, but in, in, in just to say, Mark, in 30-odd years of knowing that track and listening to it, I've only realised she's singing Have a Sniff. <laughs> and what do you think she's recommending sniffing, Andy? It could be anything. I don't know. Vaseline? Um, maybe she's trying to decide which underpants to put on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of. Mm. Yeah. Sorry to lower the tone. No, it's fine if you don't do it. I will. Um, so they they were, they were from Cologne. Uh, it was consisting of vocal artist and lyricist Gina Kikioni um, and like Madonna. Chicone. No, K I K O I N E. Mm. Uh, and writer and producer Zeus B. Held. <laughs> and uh, Ralph Morgan Stern, who was back in vocals. And then Hinrik Sickenberger. You know, you start thinking, have they made these names up? Um, She's from Barnsley. Yeah, and Laszlo. Not going to tramp down to that uh, Laszlo's surname. Uh, Kizani. So. Um, Apparently, they formed in 1978, and uh, you won't be surprised to find out that Gina was an art history student. Mm, yeah, say no more. <laughs> well, she's still with us, and she was influenced by Lou Reed and Patti Smith, as well as the art avant-garde. But I, I think she... she Nico seems more obvious than Lou Reed. Well, it says Lou Reed here. Okay. Maybe Lou Reed went into this Wikipedia entry and like <laughs> just removing any influences of, of Nico. It's like, no, no, it's me, it's me, get rid of her. <laughs> Um, but I, I think they made some the, the the track that you know you also know Mike Nice Mover Nice Mover yes it's on a Andy Weatherall compilation 9 o'clock drop which yes. I'm sure you know very well yes we uh, studied at the the school of Weatherall oh yes the uh, the chairman um, but they're Colin both Saber. they're both lovely tracks I think they're both kind of I, don't, I won't say timeless because they've dated somewhat but but not somewhat a lot but that but they They've dated, but it's actually it's a period that's come back into fashion and stayed in fashion for quite a long time. Yeah. And they're well produced. You know, it's got a real kind of punchy sort of poppy sound that, and and the synths don't sound as cheap as a lot of stuff from the early eighties. No. So I can enjoy that, and I think there's there's clubs where you could play that now, and it's still absolutely well. A bit more up tempo than Nice Mover as well. Nice Mover is quite sort of ploddy, isn't it? More yes, sort of yes. Cosmic. I love how that starts as well with that. It's like some kind of trippy kind of envelope opening. Uh, yeah, it's got it's got a bit of Italio in there. There's a kind of a little bit of an Italio disco. Yeah. There's obviously the Euro pop and and sort of new wave in that. That delivery as well was very kind of new wave, isn't it? Post punk, very icy, uh, detached. Yes, yeah. and we were talking while we were listening to it. We were talking about um, Grace Jones. We were. Uh, yeah. You can and imagine Grace Jones doing a duet. Definitely. Yeah, that would, that would really work. Yeah. We we need to fix that up. Uh, we need to we need to track <laughs> that. Uh, th- but they were they were uh, you know they were decent hits and like I say I I, I loved and I just realised that uh, Gina actually sang on a couple of fashion records. Remember fashion from fashion. the early eighties? No, I don't think I do. I've got what some of their records do? in the attic. Okay. Um, I've got a feeling they might have been a local band, like a Yorkshire band, possibly even Sheffield. But they were um, like an electro kind of funk, but they were very very smooth, very nice. They were of the time. The, the stuff hasn't kind of stood the test of time. Right. Um, you know, it's not saying that, that it's gone uh, rubbish. This still, you know, it still sounds all right. But uh, apparently she sings on that, and I've actually got one of the records. I think it's a double 12-inch, so I'm going to have to dig it out now and have a listen to some more Gina M at some point. Okay. Um, but, yeah, good stuff. We enjoy yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. Th- thumbs up. Hit, hit or miss. No, that's, that's definitely a hit, that <laughs> one. Do you, th- do you think it'll make it into the charts? <laughs> yeah, going back in my time machine 30 years, I yeah. think it probably just about scraped to number 38. <laughs> so, well, I, I don't know. Where it probably, I would have been interested to know where they did come in the charts. They might not have actually made the top 40. I'm not sure. I think they did, but I don't think they went too, too high. Um, it says it says here, Kikioni later described the collaboration... Um, that uh, based on these t- on her two hits, no GDM and nice mover. She she explained described the collabor- collaboration as the absolute union of music, poetry, and travesty. <laughs> what music poet? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Maybe travesty. A travesty is like well, it's something when unjust, isn't it? Is it yeah, true? Yeah. What's I unjust? I don't. It's just one of them outrageous things people say, isn't it? But I like did, it. I like did she it. make it to impress some bloke and he wasn't fussed? <laughs> it's like it's a travesty. That's a really great record. I don't know. I can't imagine Gina Rex is the kind of person who would try and impress a bloke. 
Well, she's talking about some dark man. Right, well, I suppose. I so, know. I don't know. Maybe she made it and that they were like, mm, mm, mm. I'm, yeah. I'm more into tears of fears, actually. <laughs> <laughs> do something a bit light. Do something a bit lighter and come back to me. You right. Know? Yeah, that was never going to work, was it? No, it was never going to work with Gina. But uh, I, I, it's one of my favourite tunes. I have to say it's one of my favourite tunes. We're going to flash forward 12 years to 1993. Oh, a wonderful year. A wonderful year. This is going to be as heavy as we ever get, really, on this little kind of podcast. Uh, this is H&M. Um, well, well long before the actual brand. I wonder how long the brand H&M have been out. I don't know. Well, it's quite a while because when I first went to H&M, I thought it was great because there were all these cheap clothes yeah. that, you know, were quite, quite nice. Classy. Yeah, they were, they were good, but now they don't fit me. They're it designed was, yeah. for people with better bodies than me. <laughs> you mean <laughs> young people? It's humiliating experience. Young, young people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young yeah. people who work out, the worst mm, kind yeah. of young people. Oh, these co- what were these young people who seem to be like in the shape of the letter V where they've gone really muscular at the top but their legs are really skinny? They've yeah. only worked on their arms and their shoulders and their biceps. Washboard stomach and then huge guns. And they're like massive. And, and I saw a guy the other day and I thought, are you wearing some kind of comedy suit? You know, like people wear those sumo suits. Well, like David Byrne in Stop Making Sense. Yeah, he was so big on the top, but his legs were so skinny. (laughs) And I just thought, what's, you know, what's what's going on there? But Uh, it's what the ladies love, so... um, They're not not aiming these shops at us, are they? Anyway, H&M. H&M. Well, this is H&M. Do you know, yeah, you're going to tell me, you know, you know H&M are. Do you know? I don't know H&M, no. It's Robert Hoods and Jeff oh. Mills. Hood, Hood, singular, isn't it? Robert Hood. Right, yeah. Yeah, Robert Hoods, yeah. yeah. That's 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 <laughs> like when he... That FX twin kind of joke with me. That okay. was it. I meant, meant, yeah, it's Robert Hood. Robert and the Hoods. Hoods. Uh, there's a, well, and, that, um, and Jeff and the Mills. Yes, yes. Um, I'm I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of one of our purple radio DJs uh, hoods. So that's where I've got it wrong. Anyway, this show is being uh, going to be played out on purple radio. It's a little kind of syndicate. Ooh. That's where I'm going to do it. It's going to be um, they're going to be put onto the server. So you'll be able to hear it and also uh, go to the well. You'll be listening to it now probably via the Mixcloud page, the DJ Tap Mixcloud page, and it'll probably be. Are you going to repost it on your page? I might do. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how good your music choices Syn- are. Syndicate. Well, let's just see. See what you think to this. This is, uh, we've just been talking about uh, kind of a surreal life of people walking around with big padded arms. This is uh, H&M and uh, real life. It's, uh, I-, I-, I like this a lot.
Oh, Jeff. A bit worn out after that. Yeah, I just we just uh, had a bit of a, uh, a rave. <laughs> More of a pixie I, dance, really. I, <laughs> I danced for at least what kind of thirty seconds, and I am really, <laughs> really like that, quite. Yeah. I'm quite. Uh, you should have seen him, listeners. He had a real, real snarl on his face, <laughs> and then he was like punching the air, alternate fists, the, the feet skipping around like a like a Michael. What's he called? Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. Yeah, it was uh, it was extraordinary to see. If only this was on Facebook. <sighs> no, we, we don't record the video, but uh, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that. I mean, uh, at the time, uh, Robert Hood has always had that little bit of a kind of harder edge, but I at the time, uh, and Jeff obviously did, but when those two got together to do that, I, I was quite I was quite impressed, to be honest. I have to say, I was I genuinely was quite impressed. I mean, what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't aware of that alias, but I've heard a lot of Jeff Mills stuff, and I think I've probably heard that tune in some of his sets. I um, I had a bit of a different route into dance music from you. I, would, I got into it much later, and I'd never been I'd never been into the hip hop, so I'd never really known about DJs cutting up and stuff like that. So when I came into dance music, it was via the kind of the dare I say trancier end of things, and it was all like you play a song and then you mix it into the next song, and then you play and you play that in its entirety. And then I remember hearing Jeff Mills for the first time, and the way he'd play a track for about 20 seconds before he started cutting it up and dropping in bits of other things, that completely wowed me. So these minimal tracks, where not much happens really. But they were perfect fodder for that style of DJ. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's how I like to hear them best. I I saw a post recently. Um, <clears throat> someone kind of answered, but someone said, "Does any is there any DJs out there who still do proper hard techno sets?" Hmm. Uh, and it led me thinking actually, because a lot of, we've mellowed down, haven't we? Dance music mm. has mellowed. You know, mm. we've, got, we've gone past. Um, Gabba and hard style and and drum bass, you know, went very heavy and very dark and and you know dubstep and stuff like that. And it makes you wonder: is there much? Because a lot of techno and a lot of house music is relatively, I won't say tame. It's just nice and polished. It's it's grown up. Mm. And it makes you wonder: is there much stuff coming out? And I'm sure there is, but stuff that's like that. That's raw. That's raw, but it's quality as well. Mm. It's not kind of thoughtless. I mean mm. that that. You know that is two quality producers. You know Jeff Mills yeah. was part of Underground Resistance. You know they're both from that Detroit heritage. Mm. They were, you know, at the time Jeff Mills was making the X101 stuff, X102, Rings of Saturn, all that kind of thing. Yeah. So and that's, I mean, it's an energetic track, but to me, a lot of the energy comes from the DJ and the actual cutting up with vinyl, the element of risk of yes. the tracks are starting to drift out a little bit, so you yeah. get a spin back, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I don't think you really get that with today's no. digital mixing. No, it's very nice. Yeah. The sync button. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, I just think that's that's a sad loss, really, because not even just for techno, but for house DJs. I mean, I remember hearing Derek Carter do sets that were really amazing and yeah. a, lot, a lot of cutting backwards and forwards between sort of like disco loop type tunes which in themselves weren't that interesting records but the DJ made them interesting by doing all that kind of stuff on the fly I heard a great interview with Harvey on Giles Peterson's show recently and he was talking about how actually audiences don't love hearing really smooth mixing they love it when they hear something go wrong when they hear a couple of tracks yeah. cl- clashing yeah. with each other really? because actually that's when they know something's happening if you do a yeah. perfect mix no one knows it's happened but I, I remember, um, you know, kind of my clubbing years, it was very kind of discerning, hopefully. But there was one night I slipped off the radar and I went to a, a night in Derby. I'm not going to mention the name of it, but it was a more of the lighter hen, end of house music. Mm. <clears throat> more the kind of Judge Jules kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. that I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to things like that. And I remember going and um, a certain DJ was playing who is still about and he was a very fashionable DJ. And I knew that he wasn't a particularly good should we say technically good DJ and I went to this club where everyone was off their heads and they'd all had a drink and I'm in there as a DJ you know you're listening to the mix you enjoyed it and he this person was terrible Mm. every mix clashed badly it really really was bad now this person was well well known for excess you know Mm. so so there was kind of that element there that they were probably a little bit worse for wear Mm. and this guy turns to me because this is amazing <laughs> and I thought, no, it's not. Mm. This is dread. This is dreadful. Mm. You've paid for that. Why am I here? I've just gone because my mates went. Um, and I'm not saying that every mix should ever. I was never a perfect mixer. I was never perfect. I scratched and dropped things in and made things a bit chaotic. And it's that, you know, it's the thing of um, selection does trump the mix, mm. doesn't it? Uh, and I think that. Um, I've heard in the last few years a few DJ mixers, whether I've, I don't go to clubs anymore, but I've been to a festival or been to a night or something like that, uh, and you hear these DJ mixers and they're absolutely perfect, but they are dull. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. 
But um, I mean, I I think uh, there's a difference, isn't there, between losing the crowd with a a mix that's a complete train wreck. Yeah. Um, and then just something where it's a little bit rough around the edges, but it's there's an extra funkiness to it sometimes because those kick drums aren't perfectly lined up or because, you know, the, the percussion's clattering a little bit against the other track. A bit of that can actually be quite nice and actually oh, just yeah. make it... Like yeah. a live drummer. A yeah. live drummer is never perfectly yeah. accurate. Oh, absolutely. But it brings the same kind of funkiness if the DJ's a bit raw. But then it's also quite enjoyable to see uh, people like some of the big EDM DJs make a complete pig's ear or something yeah. when they are <laughs> using a sync button. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or someone like Steve Aoki failing to navigate a trampoline, which um, <laughs> is a fantastic <laughs> video if ever you go to watch it. He's there, arms in the air, runs around the front of the stage, massive crowd jumps on the trampoline, bangs his head, and they have to kind of carry him off. Uh, it's not it's not great that he banged his head and he hurt himself, but he just thought, you just get back to the decks, mate. You've got mm. too much time on your hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're trampolining while you've got tracks playing, you clearly need to work a bit harder, surely. Absolutely. Or do we sound like dinosaurs? Uh, <laughs> probably. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh, let, let's move on. To the, so that was from 1993. That was Jeff Mills and Robert Hood. It was on Axis Records. And I think... Uh, you know, it's dated a little bit, but it's a belt. If you drop that, you know, if you sort like somewhere up the road at Hope Works, oh, somewhere you drop like that, 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 that kick off big time. I was thinking at a festival. That's the kind of record that sounds great in a festival dance tent. Yeah. You know, like yeah. massive, massive yeah. system, huge crowd, yeah. just like making loads of noise along with it. I, I remember seeing John Peel DJ at the Big Chill 2005. Hmm. You know, and John Peel did not have technical DJing skills, hmm. but I remember him playing um, Love Will Tears Apart. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Joy Division, and he went into some banging techno. They were completely, mm. n- they were not matched at all. And he's <laughs> faded in, brought in this boom, boom, boom. Crowd went nuts. They didn't care. Mm. It's like brilliant. We've had Joy Division, now techno. <laughs> Fantastic. I suspect the crowd are a bit more forgiving of John Peel than they are of like you yes. know, anonymous DJ just starting out. But yes, yes, probably. But There's yeah, that I, kind I of license. So we're going to go forward eleven years, two thousand and four. This is um, on the altered vibes label which is a label that uh, rjd2 uh, also released stuff on this is um this is uh, ben well his real name is dubison i don't know if i've pronounced that uh, right the track is 100 strong all ain't the same
strong ain't all the same we've just got some food arrived so we, we, we well arrived <laughs> cooked cooked in the next room uh, we have some nice pizza and salad and things it's uh, great yeah Sorry about all the noises of mastication that are coming down the microphone. <laughs> what was that again? Um, noises of what? <laughs> um, it's the old ones that are the best. We're back to we're back to uh, Serge Gainsbourg again, and uh, we are channeling the spirit of Serge Gainsbourg into this podcast. So th- this this th- we we don't do this live anyway. This podcast is um, something just as a pre-record. A, don't an hour text so. in. So you can't text. You can't do requests. Don't do requests. This is a record box, not a jukebox, as they would say. Um, so that was released in 2004 on um, on a nice label. And I, I think I picked it up fairly cheap a couple of years ago for a couple of quid. But what what did you think to that, Mark? Well, I, 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 I thought it was great. Go on, sorry. I was listening to that, and I was thinking, this is very typical of a lot of the soul records that come out nowadays. Hip-hop's made a massive difference to the way they sound. Mm. In terms of the drums, are just so much heavier because mm. they've got to go for those kind of like those breaks that hip-hop d- d- DJs can work with and they're going to sound good next to hip-hop records. Um, that's not a problem. I, ri- I like the rhythm section on it. A bit like the, um, is it the meters? That, that yeah. Band, yeah. It had a bit of that kind of that heaviness that about it. Ding, 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 everything's everything's emphasized. emphasized. It's yeah. kind of uh, a really, a really heavy sort of beat on it. And that's great, but it just means I think the singer probably has to belt it out the whole time. There's not much room for them to sort yeah. of drop back and do something a little bit more seductive and nuanced. It, yeah. it ends up being that kind of like, let's bang it out. And that's great. And, you know, I'll say it's a good record. I just, I think I'd find it quite tiring to listen to a lot of that in one go. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Although you could get different, hopefully, varieties, different paces. I mean, um, yeah. Sort of like going back to mid nineties when you know you had people like Mary J Bly doing stuff with Wu Tang Clan and there was that kind of soul element really came in in the early early nineties mid nineties and there was that term um, of R and B where it was rap and yeah I'm not sure bull. what it stands for but yeah, yeah. the B stood for <laughs> bull um, S H I T uh, because a lot <laughs> of the tracks were just very self indulgent they're actually they were like neither anything so like the rap was like half baked and mm. the song the soul was half baked and they came together and it w- should have worked things like uh major Bly and, and method man is you know um th- stuff like that they are brilliant they're they're great tracks but a lot of it came out of america and it was just that kind of like middle of the road sort of you know like a lot of stuff a lot of the soul and the rap was like it didn't have an edge to it it was quite vanilla and mm. dated quite quick yeah, and often it was just tacked around a really familiar sample as well, something yeah. that you're a bit tired of hearing. Yeah. Um, that, at least, you know, it sounded like they've got their own band there. It, yes. It didn't sound a particularly authentically live band. You know, no. It had a bit of that kind of, a, a bit like stuff like Quantic. I love Quantic. Yeah. But it doesn't sound that much like a live band when you hear it. It sounds, no. it sounds like a studio creation, and it had that sort of feel about it. Yeah. But not a problem. I'm sounding very negative. I actually, no, 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 I, I no, 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 it. no, no. I just, I'm just saying, I think... It's a shame that we maybe don't get as many kind of understated soul records yes. as we used to. It's a shame. I always think it was a shame that when Amy Winehouse came out and everyone suddenly got really massive into Amy Winehouse. Mm. And at the same time, there was lots of this kind of stuff coming out through True Thoughts. And people didn't seem to want to explore. It was like, I'm suddenly into soul music. I'm suddenly into <laughs> this authentic kind of real proper edge soul. But I won't explore anything else. In the same yeah. way that people will come and go... Oh, I'm quite into reggae. What do you like? I like Chakademus and Players. <laughs> do you like anything else? Yeah, I like a bit Bob Marley. Marley. <laughs> yeah, Bob Marley. It's kind of great. 
brilliant. But you're not tempted to kind of go, is there anything beyond that? Not it's everyone's obsessive like us, though, are they? I mean, no. we, we will always dig deeper because we, we are just the kind of people oh, I love do digging. That. I love yeah. digging and trying to find things. The whole thing is trying to find those little nuggets that I can't afford on Discogs, but at least find them, at least listen to them and stuff like that. But it's this sort of thing where people kind of go, well, you know, what kind of music are you into? Well, I'm into all sorts, really. I've got really broad tastes. I like Kasabian. Um, you know, I like Fatboy Slim. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Nothing no. particularly wrong with Fatboy Slim. Uh, oh, Kasabian, to be honest. But but it, well, you it, could it, find them on the same 90s compilation, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't be a particular absolutely. surprise. I always remember a guy who went to university when I did my first um, stint there, and it, he turned to me, and he made a really astute... He was a big indie kid, and he turned to me, and he said, Fatboy Slim is hip-hop for people who don't like hip-hop. I thought... Mm. Well, I've heard people say that about the whole of Big Beat, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, probably, to some extent. Anyway, we're going to get a bit beaty. This is the last one, because um, time, is, time is pressing on. So we're jumping forward to 2015, so two years ago, uh, a track by Dan Snaith. Do you know who Dan Snaith is? Um, is he Caribou? Well done, 10 points. I'd have never got that. That's because I saw it on your mixer earlier. <laughs> You didn't, you didn't have to tell me this. Anyway, this is uh, Caribou and a track entitled Mars. This is the Head Highs Core Mix, if I've got the right side. Uh, so, anyway, this is the last one of the six. Thank <laughs> you. 
um, that is indeed, as uh, Mark alluded to, that is um, Caribou in the background. And um, it's on his own, I don't know how to pronounce it, Jia Long. It's his own London-based label. And I did notice um, that he's not released an album since 2014. Is that right? Well, he's just, he's just done something as Daphne, hasn't he? He's just done a Fabric Live compilation and he's done it it's all his own productions so although it looks like a mix cd it's really just his oh, own right. stuff um but he's got a lot of aliases hasn't he because there's, there's caribou there's there's daphne and then there's caribou vibration ensemble which is like um, his weird sort of freestyle jazz band thing and before caribou wasn't it was it it was manitoba was it or something it's, well, Cana- it's oh, canadian right, it's kind of got all i don't know well caribou obviously says he's canadian so it's got some kind of connection there uh, I saw him live last year at mm. um, the Blue Dot Festival. And as you imagine, very polished. Had a full band. They all yeah. looked very clean and polished, and very visual, and uh, was was very was very enjoyable. He's, he's you know he's quite a talented guy. Yeah, I saw him supporting Radiohead a few years ago. It, it was good. I mean, he had, he had everybody dancing, and that was an indie crowd as well, not a particular yeah. sort of electronic crowd. And uh, yeah, people got into it. I've, I'm always interested in what he's done. I've always got time to to listen yeah. to his stuff, but I don't like all of it. Um, we were just talking about that track. I can't quite remember my mind up about it, whether I like it or not. It's it's kind of like it's it's heavy, but it's quite slow. And yes. I, I never know quite how to move to records like that. If something's heavy and fast, like a drum bass tune, I can get into it. But if it's heavy and slow, I just feel like I just end up walking in slow motion and just kind of throwing a few action poses. <laughs> it's not a good look. Do you want to show us that? No, I don't want to. Do you want to do that? <laughs> Use your imagination. <laughs> um, how's tea? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, lovely nice. pizza. Oh, yeah. that's good. It's, yeah. it's a shame to have to talk, really. <laughs> it, it is. Sorry. Bad, bad <laughs> timing there, but I'm making you earn your, earn your crust. So, Absolutely. Um, so uh, if we were doing a roundtable review, we've had the Harry J All-Stars, Serge Gainsbourg, Gina X, uh, H&M, 100 Strong, Caribou. What, what would you pick out of that? It's I like my Desert Island Disc, but you get to pick one. In terms of a record to listen to in its own right and not do anything to, I'd probably go for Gina. Because um, I think that was that was one that I just thought that that sounds quality. That sounds like a good record yeah. to, to stick on now from start to finish. The the Mills and Hood one I liked, but I'd probably love to hear it best oh. cut up by Mills himself. You yeah, know, in the heat of the moment, in in the middle of a really banging techno set. I love Jeff Mills when he DJs. Mm. He, d- he, d- he looks like a real diva. <laughs> like you know, kind of Derek May is a bit of a kind of a mean. diva, isn't yeah. he? And they're kind of a you know kind of, but he he his face is so like. I don't know. He's just brilliant watching him. Kind of, he, you see lots of DJs kind of touching knobs on mixers and stuff like that, uh, and they're not doing anything. Mm. Uh, and it's a big old thing, isn't it? There's lots of videos of DJs that are twisting knobs and doing stuff that aren't actually connected to anything. Yeah. They, they kind of like it, they're just putting on show. But when you watch Jeff Mills doing all that, he's constantly tweaking. He doesn't yeah, sit still. He never rests. Yeah. Have you seen that DVD, that Exhibitionist? I've seen a bit of it, yeah. Yeah, mm. that's that's absolutely terrific. Just a, a real insight into what yeah. he does. Three decks there. There's always at least two records playing. You know, yeah. he's, he's juggling with them practically. Yeah. And the, the EQs are going up and down, yeah. filters, the rest of it. Phenomenal. F- faders back and forth. I mean, there's 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 just no messing around. No, no, no. He is, he is absolute uh, quality. So, well, hopefully you've enjoyed that little excursion. I have. Uh, brilliant. So, uh, thanks a lot for listening. So, this is a podcast on Pipple Radio, and also on uh, my Mixcloud page. Uh, and probably do this about once a month. Sometimes it'll be me on my Todd, uh, but I will try and drag various friends in and maybe get them to bring some of their records in as well Sounds to good. select. Well, not all records. We'll do digital. Today's been vinyl. So say thanks a lot for listening and uh, till next time. Peace.